very much, Alice. Uh, we're going to be turning to the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, for our first reading this evening. And that's on page 1009 in our Pew Bibles. Page 1009, Mark chapter 6, starting to read at verse 44. Sorry, 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to go to all the people, make them sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. The second reading is from Isaiah chapter 40 verses 9 to 11. and can be found on page 725 or on the screen. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 9 to 11. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recom- uh, recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Great. Uh, keep Isaiah 40 open, please. And um, I'm going to do another notice. Josh did well at the notices. They are hard. But I want to encourage you to come next week and to take these flyers home. They're no use here, really, from this point onwards, but the service next week, I'm hoping, will be a good guest event. Uh, The music will be good. It'll be different, but it'll be good. The talk will be, I think, with a college chapel, the expectation is that I would go for a 10-minute sermon. So there's a 10-minute sermon next week. That's what we expect. Um, Take the flyers, please, and bring people to it. Pray for it. TNG... Um, I think there's, there's, there's food afterwards in the north building, but I'm expecting the TNG meeting to be happening in the rectory, therefore. So you're warmly invited back to the rectory to, um, to be with us there. Um, thank you very much, TNGers, wherever you're hiding, all around, for leading us tonight. Let me pray, and, um, and we'll look at Isaiah 40 together. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for 
the great news that you are a God who wants us to know you. And we pray that you would make yourself known to each one of us this evening. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you'd agree with this statement. Um, Here's the statement. Sorry. Well, the statement is this. There is no more important question than this. Here's the really important question. What is God like? Do you agree that that's a pretty important question to deal with? Our verses in Isaiah, I think, tell us the answer. Here is your God, says the prophet. This is what God is like. I got some advice once about preaching. I can't remember exactly who it was that said it. They said it should be about God and about 20 minutes. So you're getting a half, half-sized sermon next week, by the way. About God and about 20 minutes. In fact, my confession is that I don't often manage the, um, the target on the time front. I think I am in with a chance tonight, but I usually blow it on the 20 minutes deal. And I think that's okay, actually, if I'm honest. Uh, Most of us have got a million different voices uh, to listen to in the course of a week. And to give attention to God's word on a Sunday for 25 minutes or half an hour is absolutely fine, okay? But it is bad news if I make a a mess of the first recommendation. I always said about sermons and things, they should be about God and about 20 minutes. It's an absolute tragedy if a sermon misses out God. Because he really is worth knowing about. Better still, it's possible and wonderful not just to know about him, we can know him for ourselves. And he is, let me tell you, absolutely worth knowing about, absolutely worth knowing. And Isaiah is not in any doubt at all. Twice he says, this is Good news, it's like a news announcement which everybody needs to hear. It's a big deal. So he says, you who bring good news to Zion, Jerusalem, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. So this news about God... He's saying needs to be shouted out, broadcast. Don't apologize for it, he says. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of it. Everyone needs to hear it. Uh, not just people who are into that sort of thing. The towns of Judah, whole population centers need to hear it. It's one of the things I think we find hard to believe, that say we were to go into any town, we will not walk past a single person who does not need this news. I know it about everybody here, even if I've never met you before. You need to know about this God. So I'm very glad that we have got a crowd here tonight. It's lovely. So even if you're not sure why you're here tonight, um, I think I was 16 the first time I really listened to any talk about God. I'd heard plenty of talks about God before in uh, sort of assemblies and things like that, but I hadn't really listened And it had not dawned on me till that point that I could know God personally for myself. But here's the Bible in our reading tonight, verse 9, saying, here is your God. Amazing, he can be your God. 
Well, I wonder what you spotted in there as to what God is like as um, Abigail read those verses to us. Here is the first thing. I'm going to... We'll have a PowerPoint as well, but I'm going to be good modern PowerPoint thing that I sometimes enjoy doing. So, after it comes... Okay, it'll probably fall Adds to the excitement. Here's the first thing. I'm going to try and do this so that we can remember it, Okay. Apologies if you think this is really patronizing to use. I find it helpful, so we're going to do it. He's strong. I wonder if you saw that in the verses, where that comes. It's actually in verse 10. If you look down at it again, see the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. Sovereign is Bible technical language. It means he's the king of kings, as we've already sung. Uh, And of course, he comes with power. He made the whole world, so that means he's strong. He keeps the whole world going, so that means he's strong. And there's a little bit in there that needs a bit of unpacking. Let me tell you about one thing God did which shows how strong he is. I think there's a clue in the next bit um, in Isaiah 40. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. It's saying that Even if Israel were going to have bad times not far off in their history, yet still God hadn't given up on them. He could turn the tables and show the world that to know him did have its rewards. He could defeat his enemies. He could share his victory with his friends. And that proved absolutely true. God was powerful enough to make the mightiest person of the day, the king of Babylon, to change his mind and to find favor, um, find in favor of his people. And you might not know this bit of the story, but, but God's people were going to end up living in the king of Babylon's country. And he could have made them stay there forever and do all sorts of nasty jobs for him as slaves. He was the mightiest person of the mightiest empire. But instead... And Isaiah will unpack this in the chapters that follow. God would make the king of Babylon change his mind and set God's friends free. I wonder if I can do a little experiment at this phrase. I want to show you how mighty I am. Okay, I'm the boss in this church. Is that right, Josh? Josh is very biddable normally. I thought what I would try to do is just stand in front of him and by the sheer force of my mind, make him do something that I would like him to do. Ready? Yeah. Yeah. It's not particularly working. Do I, do I go on much longer? One more try? Junior. No, 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 no. Go and sit down. Okay. I got him, I got him to sit down. I could not get him to jump up and down three times. I have to say that um, as staff members go, Josh is very biddable, he's compliant, he, he does what I ask him, but I could not rule his mind. And this is an amazing thing that comes later on in Isaiah, that God was able to do that for his people with a dictator, a mighty ruler, the king of Babylon. God would make the king of Babylon change his mind and set his people free. God is in charge of the whole world. If he wants something to happen, it happens. 
And as I'm saying, in the end, he changed the king of Babylon's mind so that he did what God wanted. He's even stronger than the most powerful people in the world, in a way that um, a church leader definitely is not, doesn't even aspire to be, but I just wanted to try and catch your attention on that point. God is strong. And that ought to encourage us to pray for God to change things in the world when we feel powerless about what those in power are up to in the world or when God's people are being treated badly by powerful people in other countries in the world, maybe. He can do it because God is strong. Now, in those verses, God isn't only strong. Um, You think about it, sometimes people who are strong aren't very nice. Uh, The bully at school, who just because they're taller and tougher than everybody else, is nasty to them. God is strong, but we've got another thing in the verses about what God is like, and it's this. He's kind. (coughs) Compassionate, however you want to phrase it. It's there in verse 11. If you cast an eye down to it there, he tends his flock, that's his people, like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. So you've got there that the one who was said to rule with his arm in verse 10 now uses his arms to gather the weak or the young. Um, He gathers the lambs in his arms. I love the way The Bible speaks like that and says that God carries his friends. I don't know if you see this sort of scene. It's a familiar scene to me. I wonder if you've heard this as you go around Cambridge on a Saturday afternoon. The kids are shopping with their mums and dads. Or maybe it could be a different scene. Think of a different scene. They're out for a long walk in the fresh air. Either way, what you hear when the children are tired is something like this. Please, can you carry me? And... uh, that's a, often a privilege for dads. Dad moans, no, 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 you're much too heavy now. But of course, dads, dads do it. Now, God is like that. If you're his friend and you're too tired or too sad to go on, he promises he'll carry you. His kindness. There was a, a dream somebody once had, which I, I first heard about when I was at my school Christian Union. I was a teenager I had just started following Christ, and I remember being absolutely amazed by this dream when I first heard it. And the person is speaking, uh, telling about a dream that they've had. And Robert's going to help me with some pictures in a moment. Here's what they said. One night, this person telling the dream said, I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. As we walked, we left two tracks of footprints in the sand. There we go. Um, The sky this person carried on saying, was like a great big TV screen. I couldn't manage to replicate this in the slide, don't worry. It said, I could see lots of things which had happened in my life flashing across the sky, and underneath the sky, as each thing in my life happened, I could see the footprints in the sand. Sometimes, they said, there were two sets of footprints, one for me and one for the Lord. But then I noticed that at other times, there was only one set of tracks, And this upset me, they said, because I noticed that it was during the sad times in my life when I was having a really bad time and things were difficult. 
that I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, look, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you'd be with me always. But now I see that during the most difficult bits of my life story, there's been only one set of footprints in the sand. Why weren't you there when I needed you most? And the Lord replied, you see the times when there are only one set of footprints, my child? They are my footprints. Those are the times when I carried you. So what is God like? Well, Isaiah says he's a good shepherd carrying his sheep. There you go. Cheesy cartoon picture for you. Just a little footnote on this point. Parents, did you spot that the shepherd has a soft spot, particularly for those that are with young? Um, I got to parenthood quite late, and my girls aren't here, so I can't embarrass them, but I want to say that I have the best kids in the world. I'm sorry if you thought that was you if you're a parent. I know differently. But I had no concept of how tough it is to care for the young, even after years of youth ministry and student ministry. And God knows that. God knows that it's tough work to care for the young. If that's you, he has got your back, even if perhaps you feel that lots of other people are less sympathetic to you and your children. Uh, Those of you who are looking after the young spiritually, I know that's a lot of people in a room like this now. Um, That job, let me say, biblically speaking, it's primarily the parents' responsibility But I thank God that there are lots and lots of others involved in church and not just in the public up front um, kids ministry, people who pray for the churches, work amongst children or cook for TNG and so on. Now God is a kind shepherd who has you in that costly, emotionally draining care of the young on his heart. Let me just say that... um, The woman who had that dream or wrote that story out, Mary Stevenson, that story about the footprints, originally knew that she was, well, she knew exactly what she was on about. She'd experienced very difficult days in her life when I did a bit of research and sort of uh, got to the bottom of what what lay behind her story. Her mother died when she was young. Uh, She lived in an abusive marriage um, with a husband who ultimately left her and somehow got custody of their child. And yet God was always with her, she testified. He carries his friends, even through the dark, difficult days. He's kind. Okay, one more thing to say about God from these verses. And this is where my grammar breaks down slightly. He's kind. I won't explain the problem of the grammar if you can't work it out. Don't worry, okay? Isaiah told the people to say in verse 9 that their God was coming. Here is your God, he says. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And 2,000 years ago, he did come in the person of Jesus Christ. Here is your God, Isaiah would say, probably with even more conviction than he did in the 8th century. He's come. This is the 8th century BC. He spoke. 8th century later, he came. Now, it's still not December, but I couldn't resist making this um, a gold-colored card because it's sort of a Christmassy point, isn't it? 
sorry to get the Christmas season going when the lights aren't yet lit in Great Shelford, but Christmas is when God came into the world. And Isaiah's got one little word that he repeats in those verses, if you can see it down there. He says, he says it twice, um, see, see, as if to say to us, people would see God come with their very eyes. And you can say to them, we would have seen him if we'd been there. He's come. So you see what brilliant news that is. Sometimes people will feel that God isn't really interested in them, but he's not just out there, far away. He's actually come. In fact, more than that, Jesus was born, but he went on to die to show us how much he loves us, taking, the Bible would say, the punishment for our sin. Um, just because he loves it, he didn't have to do it. He wants us to know God, and he wanted to provide the way for that to happen. So we mustn't live as if he hasn't come. He's come. Right, put all those truths together. What is God like? That was the question we started with. He's strong, he's, he's kind, and he's come. But one last thing. You notice I put those words in speech bubbles. Because what we've been seeing about God is such good news that as I wanted somebody to tell everyone about it. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, Lift up your voice. Lift it up, I say. Lots of people, you see, don't know what God is like, that he's like this. And we need to tell them. We need to speech bubble it out. Speak it. Tell them. Tell our friends at school. Tell our colleagues at work. Tell our families. Who can you tell about God? And if you want to know what to tell them, well... Why not start with what God is like? He's strong, he's kind, he's come. So I am going to put something that looks just like you. Over there. A person, okay? Because it's up to us to do it. As I had to, we have to. Um, And let me just say that if you are not someone that's confident that you know God in this way yet yourself, then perhaps the first thing for you is to to pray, to ask God to make himself known to you. You might even pray that funny prayer that people sometimes call the agnostics prayer, just to open the door to it. Say, God, I'm not even sure I know you're there, but please show yourself to me. It's a prayer he loves to answer. And that might be the first step. And the rest of us who do know him, let's be confident in saying, in fact, I've got one more bit in the picture to put up. Uh, oh, this is great. This is the second talk in a row where I've mentioned mountains. Okay? Here's a mountain. We'll see if we can get a hat to get mountains. Mountains are coming in the sermon next week. Look out for it, okay? Um, even if it's only a 10-minute sermon, we'll get mountains in there somewhere, Okay. Why does he say, go up on a mountain and say it? Well, surely it's a case of just saying, go up high, so everyone can hear it for miles around. Because this news about God is worth passing on loud and clear. Let's pray, and then I'll hand back to uh, 
Thomas? I don't know who's leading the last bit of the service. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for showing yourself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and for telling us and showing us again and again what a wonderful God you are. We want to praise you tonight and pray that we would grow in our knowledge of you and that others would come to know you through us. We pray it, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.